0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amazin, And this is Kelly and Ramiya. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's Kelly and Ramia on AMI-audio, AMI-tv, and your favorite podcast platform, Kelly and I are going to get into our weekly Ask a Vet discussion now. This is when we hang out and learn things with Dr. Danielle Johnkind.
2: Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends.
1: Danielle, one of these more serious conversations, which means big learning experience for us today. Uh, when our pets need medication to treat an illness, an illness, sometimes we worry about getting the medication into them, and some of those pets are really not good at taking meds. And the vet industry has developed some strategies for helping with these situations, like prescribing medications with flavors for pets, uh, as an example. And sometimes this means that vets are prescribing compound compounded drugs. So that's what we're really going to get into, what compounded drugs are and what regular ones are and what we need to know about the difference here. So I'm really looking forward to the lowdown on this because, yeah, if you have a pet, you probably experienced some version or another of challenges if you will trying to get meds into your pet and whether it be syringes or peanut butter or like a nice pill pocket so (laughs) what's the difference between your dog yeah i've definitely had to pill glizzy a couple times and it's not fun for either of us uh what's the difference between a compounded drug and any other drug danielle well before i answer that let me just say that you know what I love
2: peanut butter myself, so I kind of think, uh, you know, <laughs> Lizzie's a lucky dog. If <laughs> yeah. you're
0: not going to take it, Lizzie, I will. <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> Without the pill, though, I'll take the peanut butter. Yeah, yeah. just the peanut Well, him too, then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, we sort of have like different classes or groups of drugs available to treat animals in veterinary medicine. And of course, a large part of the drugs we use are specifically developed for animal species by pharmaceutical companies. And these drugs are manufactured to produce a consistent formulation and format. Um, For example, an oral tablet with a set number of milligrams of drug in each tablet, you know, that would be a good example. Um, Health Canada, of course, oversees the Veterinary Drugs Directorate, which has strict requirements in place to get a veterinary drug licensed in Canada. So, you know, they take that specific format, they test it for safety, for efficacy, for the target species at the doses recommended by the manufacturer. And if it all passes all those trials, they get approval for sale. So... Of course, those drugs are also subject to monitoring for adverse effects, and those are reported to Health Canada. And, you know, anytime, though, we decide that it's in the best interest of the animal to use the medication at a dose that is not on the label from the manufacturer, that's called off-label use of the drug. Um, so that's what a regular drug sort of looks like. Um, in contrast, a compounded drug is a special case of off-label use so it's one where the active ingredient in the medication may be the same one as one approved by Health Canada but the specific form or strength has been changed and that new form or strength in that particular format has not specifically been evaluated for safety or efficacy by health Canada so that's kind of mm. the difference between it same medication oh. but you know the specific format and strength has not been studied
0: yeah Yeah. and we i know we talk about that for different uses for medications when we talk human um maybe somebody is on something and not necessarily for what it's there but it's to help with another complication in multiple multiple health um uh, dilemmas that someone may be may be dealing with why would a veterinarian however want to use that compounded drug
2: Well, you know, in an ideal world, all of the drugs we use in vet medicine would be specifically formulated for animals in all the strengths and all the formats that we could ever want, and all of them would be approved by Health Canada. But we live in this world. (laughs) That's and that right. isn't the case. So, you know, why might we want to select a compounded medication? Um, well, one, one possible reason would be uh, we have a huge range of sizes, even within some veterinary species, like dogs, for example. So we might have a Chihuahua that weighs four pounds and a Mastiff that weighs 110 pounds. And if we were to put both of them on a commonly prescribed medication at the same dose by body weight, the Chihuahua would be getting milligrams of the drug and the Mastiff would be getting five milligrams. So hypothetically, for our little example, let's just say this medication comes in tablets that have two and a half milligrams of the drug in each tablet. So the Mastiff would get two tablets and the Chihuahua would get 0.07 of a tablet. So what that means is you'd have to cut that tablet into 100 equal pieces and then give seven of them. And obviously it just, it can't be done. Right? Yeah. Um, and this is where compounded drugs can come in handy. So if a pharmacy can make a liquid for our little example, Chihuahua with fewer milligrams in each ML of fluid, it becomes possible to measure it out with a one mil syringe. And so you can see how changing that strength might be really helpful in mm-hmm. some cases. Um Another big reason we might recommend a compounded drug is because a patient is difficult to medicate with the approved drugs that are available. So, you know, some people will find their kitty will accept a liquid much better than a pill, for example. Um, some of these compounded medications can be flavored to make them more acceptable to pets. And, Glasgow doesn't I mean, mind those. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> the beef ones? um, Yum. You know,
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, but forget the strawberry, forget the mint. You know, we're talking about things (laughs) like beef, fish or chicken, you know, those kinds of flavors. And um, another big reason we might decide a compounded drug is for the best is because we're prescribing it for a species for which a medication has not been developed. So Mm -hmm. that's much more common in like zoo or exotic animal practices, um, have medications created or tested specifically for them. So, I mean, you know, those are kind of a lot of examples of reasons Um, when prescribing medications, you know, that's prioritize finding an approved veterinary specific medication option first, because we know that's the safest and most reliable type. Um, If that isn't an option, we try and find a drug approved by Health Canada for use in humans next. Um, even though using those in animals is considered off-label use, we know that the medications are standardized in their manufacturing and they're tested, approved and monitored as well. If there are no appropriate options under that, then you know, we usually recommend a compounded medication.
1: OK, so as you said, if it's recommended by the vet, then we should be OK, or you know, someone's done the appropriate research and understanding of the compounded drug to say, yeah, this is fine for your pet to take. But are there risks to pets in taking the compounded medication? Well, there, there are
2: potential risks to, to pets and taking any medication, right. really. Um, one of the things your vet does when they prescribe is to evaluate the potential benefits and the potential risks and then decide if it's in the best interest of the patient to take that medication. And of course, they evaluate the additional risk of using a compounded drug in the same way. So of course, compounding does add additional layers of risk. You know, we know that that format and strength of that medication is not been specifically proven to be safe or effective, Um, veterinarians are responsible for making sure that any compounded drugs they use or prescribe are formulated correctly. And there are definitely professional pet pharmacies out there that specialize in making compounded drugs for animals. And, you know, we can order from these suppliers and get these medications made up for them.
0: So me, though, as Joe Public, who goes in and, and is curious or may have certain stances um, with concerns, oh, that, that whether they're legitimate or not, how would I know if my pet is getting a compounded drug?
2: Well, in Ontario, with a few exceptions, you know, your veterinarian is actually required to tell you if they want to give your pet a compounded medication. Um they will notify you that the medication has not been through the government's approval process, which makes its safety or efficacy unproven and thus not definitively known. As with all other medications, they'll advise you if you need to take any safety precautions when handling the drug or any side effects you should watch for in your pet. And they might ask you to sign a consent form acknowledging that you have been made aware that your pet has pers- been prescribed a compounded medication and the potential risks involved. So, you know, you, you'll, you should be told.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, are compounded drugs monitored, Danielle, for, uh, you know, making sure that they're okay for problems or all of these other things, like approved drugs are? Sure, that's a good question.
2: Um, if a pet has a reaction to a medication, you know, we can call the company that makes it and report that reaction to them. And then, of course, they in turn send in reports on these problems to Health Canada. Um, there is actually no uh, requirement for vets to report reactions to compounded medications. Having said that, you know, that there is a process in place to do just that, and we are encouraged to call the Veterinary Drugs Directorate Arm of Health Canada and report it if something does happen. So that's definitely something that, you know, if your pet has a reaction, you can ask your vet to do that.
0: So what are our options? If, if I mean, our vet says, hey... I recommend this compounded medication and we say, I don't know, I don't don't think I want my pet on that.
2: And that does happen, you know, sometimes when we start going through the, you know, the risks and benefits, people are like, you know, I don't know if I'm okay with that, you know. So if that's the case, you know, you can decline any treatment that your vet recommends. Um, your vet may be able to prescribe something else, which may not be their first choice for medication, um, but they can discuss the risks and benefits of that with you. Um, They may also be able to offer suggestions for easier methods to get a Health Canada-approved medication into your pet. So like you were talking earlier, peanut butter, pill pockets, you know, whatever we have to do here, right? (laughs) Bribery. (laughs) Um, They may also be able to give you a lesson on how to pill your pet or how to give the medication that is approved. Um, Other options that, you know, you could talk to them about or consider, you know, you might be able to get someone else to give your pet their medication if you can't do it yourself. Um, Veterinary technicians, assistants, and even some pet sitters do offer that service, you know, Um, or maybe you're lucky and your neighbor is just really, really good at pilling cats. (laughs) Sometimes it just takes a bit of creative problem solving to solve some of these little problems.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting to hear about like what is normalized or what is very much a popular option, especially out of convenience, I guess for uh, your pet parents to to be dealing with pets who are needing (laughs) to be medicated. Uh, But then to think, you know, how many people really do put their hands up and say, I'm concerned about this option, or you know, are there alternate alternative options for us, Danielle? Do you get a lot of that?
2: I think occasionally, usually when we start talking about the, you know, the informed consent part of it, where we say, okay, you know, people usually accept your recommendation until they start hearing about the informed consent. And then we do have some people that will say, you know, I'm not really sure I'm comfortable with this. I don't really want to sign that form. Okay, so let's go back to the drawing board and, you know, see what we can do. Um, the majority of people I think are okay with it, you know um they don't seem to have too many um concerns with it and you know and again, with that risk versus benefit analysis that your vet is always doing in the back of their mind on behalf mm-hmm. of your pet, you know, I think a lot of people are just comfortable uh, oh, they know what they're doing, they're okay with it.
1: Danielle, thank you so much. This has been really insightful. Um, and you know, I've spent like zero time thinking about this, just thinking like, okay, it's beef flavored. Sounds good. Glasgow <laughs> will take it. <laughs> so appreciate that. No problem. Yeah, thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Dr. Danielle Johnkind is our veterinarian who joins us on Tuesdays for Ask a Vet and all the time giving us insightful information on things regarding our pets. After the break, we have a bi-weekly wellness chat. That is today. Today's the bi-weekly. And we're talking about reflexology. What is it? How can we benefit from it? What makes it different than a regular massage? We'll talk all about that on Wellness with Francis Wong. After the break.
0: Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment.
1: Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.